Hear now a reading from the book of Acts. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting me. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer For the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking in some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, church. So today, if you look at the title... Uh, in, of the sermon in your bulletin, it will say it is called The Pride and Prejudice. Now, I think it's a good time for me to admit something to you. I have not read the novel by Jane Austen, nor have I seen the movie, which I think Natalie Portman is the star of. So it's safe to assume that I'm not going to be using anything from that plot line of that story. 
But what I am going to do is talk about the pride and the prejudice of one man named Saul, which Meg, earlier with the children's sermon, mentioned. The reason why I chose this is because we see a story of transformation, of a person who knew what he was doing, but yet was wrong. And through God's grace and through redemption, he was changed. So our text in Acts is taking place during a historical conflict where the Christian church is no longer considered a part of the Jewish religion. During this time, the Christian community and the followers of the, quote, way were being persecuted and rounded up and tried for blasphemy against God. In chapter 7, we see an example of this with the disciple Stephen. Stephen was appointed as a deacon, one of seven by the apostles in the other church. And during this time, there was, he was tried, and in this gruesome scene, he was stoned to death. And at this scene, all the witnesses would lay down their cloaks in front of one man, a man named Saul. Saul was a very powerful man. And yes, this is the same Saul that was transformed into Paul and write many of the letters of our New Testament. But this transformation did not come as easily as a name change. For he continued these violent acts that he was responsible for with Stephen and on. And that's where our story comes to. You see, Saul was a man that was highly regarded in the Jewish faith. Tradition says that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish ruling council. Saul was also well-educated in the Hebrew law and the Hebrew scriptures. Another thing, too, that separated Saul from everyone else is that he was a Roman citizen. He walked around with a privilege that not many of his peers had. So yes, Saul was a powerful man and was ready to defend his faith, or at least the faith that he knew. He was so well-connected, even, that he went to the high priest and asked to send letters to the cities of Damascus and to the synagogues to round up these people who were calling themselves Christians of the way and to bound them up, and he's going to send them to Jerusalem. And that's where we're going to pick up on our story. So Saul is walking with this caravan of men that are going to go to do this zealous, righteous act, and then a light flashed around them. And they fell to the ground, and they heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul was confused and asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. This mysterious voice that answers, it says it's Jesus, and instructs him to then go to the city of Damascus and wait to be told what to do. And while all this is happening, the men, this big strong men to do these violent acts are left speechless because they would hear this voice but see nothing. Eventually, during this exchange, Saul gets up, dusts himself off, and he looks around. But something's different, something's strange. The man can't see. He even checks his eyes to see if they're open, and, and they are. But yet, he sees nothing. He looked around and saw nothing. So the men that he was with took him by the hand and led him down the road to Damascus. Now, I want us to look at something. Do we see a contrast of the man of Saul that we saw in the beginning of this passage to right now? 
In the beginning of this passage, we saw a man who was proud, stood tall, had the power of his own hand, could change the life of someone else, even to death. And now, he walks, vulnerable, traumatized, and even led by that same hand that was so powerful. But do you know something that didn't change since the beginning of the story? Saul has never been able to see. He's been able to not see this whole time. Maybe, yes, he could see physically. He could physically see. But he couldn't see who God truly was. He claimed that he knew who God was, that he was following the path of righteousness and was laying down justice in the name of God. Yet, he was unable to recognize God's voice when called upon him on the road. The author of this text, typically attributed to Luke, uses sight not to show that physical blindness means that one does not know God. That's not what he's doing here. What he uses is the concept of losing sight as a representation of Saul's spirituality. It represents how Saul could not recognize his God, who he claimed yet again to know so well. Luke also uses the same being not able to recognize God by using the voice. A man who was unable to know the sound of God's voice and what God looked like. He couldn't recognize God. So you may be sitting there wondering, how does a person so closely connected to Scripture, so closely connected to religion and faith, get to this point? Well, I think Saul stopped relying on God and started relying on himself. He used his own knowledge. He used his own power, his own status, his own privilege to go through life. You see, Saul lost his way a long time ago. He lost it when he stopped trusting in God and started trusting in himself. So church, I ask us today, who are we trusting in? Are we trusting in ourselves? Are we trusting in our jobs, in our abilities, our past achievements? Because if that's the case, then we may be like our friend Saul. And when the good Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ calls upon us, we may too ask the question, who are you, Lord? That is what happens when you trust yourself and not God. But our story does not end here. Our scripture tells us that there is a man in Damascus named Ananias who received a vision of the Lord calling out his name. And he answered, here I am, Lord. It's different than the way Saul answered. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the house, and there will be a man named Saul from Tarsus. And at that moment, right now, he is praying that he would be told what to do, and that you will lay your hand upon him, and he will regain his sight. But Ananias ain't no fool. He knows what's going on. He knows who this Saul is. He knows why Saul is in this area. He says, Lord, I know this man and the evil things that he has done. He's persecuting and killing those who are preaching in your name. 
and the Lord knows this, and says, go, for he will be my instrument what I use to preach to all the nations and all the world. And God says, I myself will show him what his life will be like to serve me. So Ananias went. He laid his life on the line. He entered the house and laid his hand on his brother Saul and told him, Brother, brother, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes. He got up, and he was baptized. Saul regained his sight, not because he saw something in the law. He did not regain his sight because he saw something in his status. He did not regain his sight because of the power of his own will. Saul regained his sight because he recognized who God was in Ananias. It was through the obedience of Ananias that Saul witnessed what happens when you rely on God instead of yourself. Saul witnessed the unexpected. That is what happens when we recognize who God truly is. The unexpected can happen. A man who was living his life killing Christians in three days became a follower of Christ himself. He became not only just a follower, but one of the most influential people in part of the Christian faith and tradition. I wonder, I wonder, church, what would happen in this place if we worked with the same obedience as our friend Ananias? What would this city look like? What would this church look like? What would our lives look like? So after this, as you know, Saul goes to write on some letters. A lot of them make up our New Testament. But one of the letters he writes is to the Romans. That we read today, Romans 2. Talking about what it means to be teaching people about things such as being a follower of Jesus. What faith looks like. But he asked the question, are we teaching ourselves this question? Are we teaching ourselves, are we listening to the words that we are saying? Because if we aren't, do we really even believe them? He talks about, it's not the outward expressions, not the actions, the daily movements. Those can be good, yes. Saul is very happy on the law. He talks about the law very well. But it says it's not about circumcision if you don't obey it. Circumcision of the heart is something that we look for. Because how often do we try to do the work of God without God? Just like our friend Saul here, how often do we end up doing things for the Christian witness in the name of Jesus, but it's not really the Christian witness? Our attentions can be pure. But if our actions are not filled with God or filled with love, Scripture says we're just a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. But all we're doing is just making noise. 
You know, the church is so good about knowing about the church. We're so good about knowing what Scripture says, the language of the Bible, the hallways of our buildings, the links in our ceilings. We know those things. But if we are not able to take those teachings and be transformed by them, then we're not paying attention. You may be sitting there probably thinking, yes, yes, David, yes. But how do we listen for the voice of God? How do we know what the voice is, and how do we move together as a church forward? I don't know how the voice of God is speaking to you. I don't know how the, God, the voice of God is speaking to this church. I won't claim that. But what I will claim is that it's going to be uncomfortable. If we look at the life of Ananias in this story, he took a risk. He went into a dangerous place, a place that most people would avoid, a place that he would never go on his own. Not only does he take this action of blind obedience, but he listens. So not only does he take action, but he takes listening, because Saul also listens in this story. He does listen. He listens to a man he was going to put on trial, a man that he would have looked down upon, a person that he thought was wrong, a person that he thinks denied his faith denied his scriptures. And it was through that person that he truly saw God. So today, church, I ask again, where in life do you need to take action? Where in life do you need to listen to the Lord? Where in life do you need to listen to someone else? Do it. Wait for the Lord. And if you're following God's will, the unexpected will happen. It is only in Jesus does a persecutor of Jesus' way become a follower himself. Only in Jesus is a place of death. When you walk into it, you walk out with a friend. And only in Jesus are we able to see a world changed. For it's only obedience in Christ where we are going to participate in the kingdom of God. Amen.